0: Please open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 11. 1 Samuel chapter 11. As we commented in the scripture reading, this chapter begins with the word then, giving reference to the events that we already studied in chapter 10, where Saul was named uh, king publicly because he had the characteristics that the People were looking for in a king, but there were some that doubted that this young farmer would be able to direct the country. Although God had given it given him to them. So in 1 Samuel 10 27, we read about these people. But some worthless fellows said, How can this man save us? They did despise him. And brought him no present. Not even they said his name Saul. That in reality these men were had a reason because before their eyes was a man that did not have the characteristics of a military leader. Definitely Saul and his own strength was not going to be able to direct the people of Israel. And that they weren't wrong. These worthless fellows he was a weak man he was not qualified for such a great position as king of Israel but Saul but Saul should not turn to look his own limitations but to the God that called him and put him as king he had a great promise from God that's why we read in first Samuel 10:7 when Samuel tells Saul, says, Do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. But how would Saul know that God was truly with him? Well, de- definitive way to know is to put Saul to the test, and not just any test, but if God was with him, it had to be a great, great test. In this chapter... Saul will know and see God's great power working through his life to fulfill that mission that God had given him. But in order for that help to be with him, he needed to do certain requirements. This chapter will teach you three elements that you need to remember so that God can help you in adversity. Three elements that you need to remember so that God can help you in adversity. The first thing that you need to remember is that you are weak. You are weak. The second is that you depend on the power of God, not on yours. And thirdly, that you need to remember is that at the end, you always, always the one that takes the glory is God. In the moment of adversity will come, and the first thing you need to recognize is that you are weak. That your own strength you will not be able to move forward. As a People of Israel was able to recognize when adversity came to their life, this was the perfect scene so that God would manifest His great power through the weakness of this people. And that will be our first point. Remember, in adversity, remember that you are weak. You are weak. Look what verse 1 says in chapter 11. Then Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh-Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a treaty with us, and we will serve you. In the Bible, we see that the Ammonites came to harass those of Jabesh-Gilead. The Ammonites were descendants of Lot, uh, nephew of Abraham, and they lived to the east of the River Jordan, not far from where the Israelites were. God allowed them to stay in that land, but they were very, very bad neighbors for the people of Israel. And from another side, the ones from Jabesh Gilead was a region that almost disappeared because of a civil war, as we learn in Judges 21. This uh, was repopulated by the tribe of Benjamin. And as we see the geography we see God's mighty hand working in this conflict because Saul was precisely from the hand from the tribe of Benjamin. So many believed, thought, believed and thought that Saul had relatives there. Nahash was very intimidating, and when Jabesh saw his weakness in the military, he gave up immediately. But this man, Nahash, wanted to do even more cruel of just taking over a people. Look what verse 2 says. But Nahash the Ammonite said to them, On this condition I will make a treaty with you that I gouge out all your right eyes. Nahash Seeing his great power compared to the weakness of Jabesh, he dared put his own conditions, and what a condition it was. The name of Nahash, you know what it means? It's serpent. And we see it here, giving honor to his name, representing evil. He wanted to humiliate them, wanted to make them useless for war. That way they wouldn't uh, represent any type of danger. He was telling not just any eye, but the right eye. And this wasn't symbolic. This was literal. He was going to take out the right eye. The Philistines, if you remember, they took out Samson's eyes. The Babylonians took the, uh, took the eyes out of Zedekiah. They weren't joking. This was being serious. It had to be the right eye because that is a one that the warriors use in war to aim and to fire their weapons but this all o- this man wanted it to go even a step further look what the rest of verse 2 says and does bring disgrace on all Israel with this act he wanted to re- uh, make Israel looked ridiculous because it was going to show that Israel was not able to protect her brothers. It shows us how vulnerable the people saw, the neighbor saw Israel was. That even though they had named a new king and it was time to test them, but everyone saw the king as insignificant. And look what verse 3 says, something interesting. Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days' respite, that we may send messengers through all the territory of Israel. Then, if there is no one to save us, we will give ourselves up to you. Something strange for us happens in this verse, don't you think? They're asking seven days to to look for help in Israel. And the strangest thing is that Nahash accepts this petition, which shows us how confident he was in his power. And he looked, he saw himself very powerful, and he saw Israel as very weak. Why? Because they didn't have an army. They weren't even organized to fight. That arrogance and great pride allowed him to accept those seven days so that they can go and look for help in Israel. Verse 4. How did Israel respond? In verse 4, when the messengers came to Gibeath of Saul, they reported the matter in the ears of the people. And all the people and all the people wept aloud. They wept. The messengers came to the city where Saul lived to notify what was happening. The, the citizens saw their weakness compared to the military power of Nahash, and they had no hope. The result was the fear took over them and paralyzed them, and they ended up weeping. This shows us, brothers, that when we least expect it in the least expected day, the test will come to your life. We see in a, in a day when the people of Israel, of Jabesh and Israel, were waking up and they thought they were going to do just a routine events. One news changed everything. But we, you and I know what's going on in the land. The Israelites think, why? Why me? I'm very weak I cannot succeed in this situation. Why does God allow this? But we know that in heaven, God is saying, I will manifest myself powerfully through Saul and my people. And this should help us to remember that when the test and the trials come to our life, to see it from a different perspective, not worldly, earthly, but heavenly. Something interesting that we see and, and find is that we need to prepare beforehand for the day of trial. Clearly, we see that these people, not even Jabesh or Israel, were prepared for this type of situation. need for any other. It's sad and it's, and it's very discouraging to read that there wasn't a single person that was coherent, and remember the message that God had said through Samuel. Not even one of them, not one of them said, hey, let's find the face of God, let's humble ourselves before the Lord. Not one. How quickly did they forget everything that God had done for them through all their history? says 1 Samuel 12, 11, some examples, and the Lord sent... Jeroboam, and Barak, and Jephthah, and Samuel. And what did he do with these men? And delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side. It delivered from all their enemies. And what was the result? And you lived in safety. But to the people of Israel, they had already forgotten. They had forgotten what God had done to save them. And that's why they wept. For a lack of preparation, spiritually, they were not ready. Beloved brothers, God will take you to situations that are extreme in life. We see it here. So He can manifest His glory, fulfill His plans, and to show the reality of your faith. Where is your faith truly and where are you standing? We see in the Bible that He put... His people between the Egyptians and the Red Sea, and they thought that they were lost. And we also see in the Bible, to possess the promised land, God sent them to fight bloodthirsty giants. And this morning, we read it in Pastor Blakey's message in Psalm 23. It tells us that the shepherd takes the sheep through the valley of death. But you know what? And each and every one of these occasions, God was stronger and sufficient than the adversity, and he took the people forward. When the unexpected comes to your life, before you weep, go to your knees and pray. And God and God were always going to find hope. Something that the people of Israel sadly had forgotten quickly. If you want God to help you in adversity, you have to recognize your weakness. You truly are weak, but that should drive you to look for God with whom He is powerful. He is the Almighty, just as the people of Israel that saw the manifestation of God through Saul. In your weakness, remember that the Holy Spirit of God lives in you And He is powerful. That's why remember that you need to depend always on God. And that will be our second point. Depend always on God. Look what verse 5 says. Now, behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen. And Saul said, what is wrong with the people that they are weeping? So they told him the news of the man of Jabesh. We see the hand of God again in this story because they get exactly to the city of Saul and Saul shows up precisely at that moment in a perfect coordination of time and place so that Saul would be a witness to what was going on. Saul, although he was named king, he was still with his Farm duties. He he still hasn't built a, a government. And God was provincially providing this conflict to give him a push so that he could start reigning over Israel. And God was going to show him the great power that was going to be within his reach. To Saul, it was very it drew his attention, the cry of the people. What, what do you think that Saul would do after he heard the weeping? In, in verse 10 in chapter 10 we saw that Saul was hidden because he did not want a big responsibility to be king of Israel. Saul was an educated man as we studied. He was a, a, a person with, with a, a good per personality, but he did not know military tactics. Surely Paul, was going to weep, right? And he's probably going to go hide again with even greater reason, don't you think? Look what happens in verse 6. Something that's just impressive. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words. And this verse has a very important, the most important phrase of this chapter that the whole The Spirit of God rushed upon Saul. That that is what changed everything. Because if the Holy Spirit had not come upon Saul, then surely they would have been defeated and humiliated and conquered quickly. The person of the Holy Spirit is the one that would work powerfully in Saul. This is very important to notice. Because the person of the Holy Spirit was coming in the Old Testament when there was a need. In the previous chapter, we learned and studied that the Holy Spirit of God came to Saul to show him that he was the chosen one to be the king of Israel. Now we're reading that the Holy Spirit of God was going to come to Saul to help him defend the people and defeat the enemies. The Holy Spirit came with a purpose. He doesn't come to entertain or to fulfill fleshly desires. He fulfills heavenly purposes. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come over people to help them fulfill their mission, and then He would leave. We see it very clearly in Judges. In our days, the Holy Spirit continues to work through the believer, but it stays permanently in Him. Jesus said that he was going to provide power to the believers. Look what Acts one eight says. The Lord says this, But you will receive power, power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Can you see it? The Holy Spirit comes, but it fulfills a divine purpose, not fleshly desires. God has given the Holy Spirit to the believers for this great uh, commission in which He's given them because it's complex as well. But the Holy Spirit provides the power that is sufficient. Romans eight eleven says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells, in you. The same Spirit, Holy Spirit that lifted and brought Jesus Christ from the dead lives, dwells in the believer, and works powerfully. That Holy Spirit, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That is the Holy Spirit that dwells in each and every one of us that have believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. In addition, the Holy Spirit provides the believers enough power to defeat sin and to serve God with clean hands. Romans 8, 12, 13 says, Romans 8, 12, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The Holy Spirit helps us to defeat sin in a powerful way. Verse 14, Because all those that are guided by the Holy Spirit, these are the children of God. Just the believers can count on the help of the Holy Spirit. This explains the reason of why there are people that are just normal people like you and me could fulfill the mission that God placed in their hands. Let me show you Paul as an example. Please go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23. This is something that is very important and interesting. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23. Of everything that he went through. In the middle of the verse it says, look what Paul went through. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. 24, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many, a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And if you continue reading it talks about sicknesses as well. How can someone persevere and, and resist this kind of life and live for the Lord till the end? How could Paul have done this? Precisely it wasn't him, but it was the Holy Spirit of God working through him to fulfill the purposes of heaven and to share the gospel to every place that he went. If you are a believer, that same Holy Spirit that was in Paul lives in you, dwells in you. Therefore, you should not say that you can't fulfill the mission that God has placed in your hands. You can. Not just that, you should not also say that you cannot defeat that sin that dwells in you because you're making God a liar. That is the Holy Spirit that dwells in you, and that is a spirit, the Holy Spirit that will help you and help Saul here as we read. That's why When the Holy Spirit came over Saul, it definitely something should have changed and happened. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon those that have believed in Jesus Christ, something has to happen. They cannot be the same person. It is impossible. Look what verse 6 says in the second part. When the Holy Spirit comes upon Saul and his anger was greatly kindled. And he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by hand of messengers, saying, whoever does not come out after Saul and Samuel. This is a completely different Saul from the one that we've been studying. This is a different Saul. We had seen a Saul that was fearful, that was uh, introverted, this is a different saw. Now he is very angry against the injustice and the evil of Nahash. That's why he looks to push the people to unite and together fight against this evil man. The one that doesn't come together, he, I will destroy their oxen. I think when saw and reflected upon this, he should have been very surprised because it wasn't his. His normal character. Look what verse seven says in the second part. Then the dread of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. And when he mustered them at Bezek, the people of Israel were three hundred thousand, and the men of Judah thirty thousand. We see here Israel and Judah, because this was written. This book was written after the separation. Not only did God proportion saw the Holy Spirit, but he also worked in the heart of the people so that they would all come out to fight. This is another element that is important that God is given to Saul is the unity of the people. The people left aside their differences. They left aside their interests because they had the same goal defend their brothers. Truly, they were weak. They were weak. But the Holy Spirit worked in such a way so that there would be unity in them. You know, the Holy Spirit is always going to look for unity so that He can fulfill the purposes of heaven, which need to contribute to that unity And we've been studying in the book of Ephesians Sunday mornings. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, says Paul, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And contrary, division takes leads us to failure. Jesus Christ said in Luke eleven seventeen, 17, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household false, Will fall. Great things can be accomplished when we unite through the gospel of, through the Holy Spirit, and for the love of the lost. That is what we're seeing here. Look what verse 9 says. How did Jabesh Gilead receive these news? And they said to the messengers who had come, Thus shall you say to the men of Jabesh Gilead, Tomorrow, tomorrow by the time the sun is hot, you shall have salvation. When the messengers came and told the men of Jabesh, they were glad. The messengers that had been witness to what happened with Saul and the people of how the Holy Spirit worked powerfully in them took the news, and which was simply was extraordinary. They will be set free. And when they were going to be set free, it was very soon in the morning when the sun is hot, the people... These people had been fearful without hope, believed in that promise, and that's why we read that they were glad. When we recognize our weakness and we depend on God, we're going to look for unity and great things, great things God can do. Verse 10, Therefore the men of Jabez said, Look what it says, that the narrator says that therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will give ourselves up to you, and you may do to us whatever seems good to you. What is Jabesh doing? Is a military strategy. They are deceiving them that tomorrow we will give ourselves to you. This will make the Ammonites sleep confidently, unaware. They are going to be thinking that they they were very easy in conquering what happened. Look, verse 11, it's something that we never imagined. And the next day, Saul put the people in three companies. So now, Saul, incredibly through the power of the Holy Spirit, now he is a leader with a military strategy. Who would have thought? And they entered into the camp in the morning watch, and when they weren't waiting for them, and struck down the Ammonites. And they struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. They destroyed the enemy in a few hours. And those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. Now, now, who are the weak ones? All thanks to the unity that the Holy Spirit brought. I want to call your attention to something interesting here. I don't know about you, but it's very interesting to me that there's only one verse for the battle. There's not very many details in the battle, just one verse. Why? Because the theme of this chapter is not the victory, but it's the God that did what was necessary in order to obtain that victory. All this God was using to show Saul that under the direction of his Holy Spirit, His kingdom was going to be successful. That is the point of this chapter. My brother, the victories that God gives you by His grace, even your testimony by how impressive it may be, is not the final objective that God wants in you. No. All that is good, but it should always serve to encourage you to live more dependent on God. Don't, don't hold on to your victory, but run to the God that gives you the victories because you are weak and you depend on Him and only Him. The Lord Jesus Christ said it with these majestic words, apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing, absolutely nothing can you do. Do not forget this that you may not forget this. And this takes us to our third point. If you want God to help you in adversity, and your trials, you need to recognize your weakness. You need to depend on God always, always. But there is a very important element that we see here that is very essential and important and that many forget. The glory, the glory, the recognition, always, always has to go to God Saul is about to c- a a greater battle than what he confronted with the with the Ammonite and it's not in the battlefield but it's inter- internally can Saul conquer this battle he's about to have remember remember that the glory is for God always Verse 12 said, Then the people said to Samuel, Who is it that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the man that we may put them to death. Man, the people were so grateful with Saul for that great victory that they wanted to destroy the opposition. What a great opportunity. Those that we mentioned at the beginning of the study... Who, how can this one save us? Those are the ones that they wanted to kill. Jabesh lived very thankful to Saul for this victory to such a degree that we're going to read later on. That when the Philistines attack Israel, Saul dies and Jabesh risked her life to recover the body of Saul and his son, Jonathan. These words, my brother, I don't know if you can see it. But it was a danger for Saul because he could look for his own glory and not the glory of God. And the people of Israel are pleased with Saul, but they are not thankful to God. But the people of Israel were still out of focus. This is very dangerous. Be careful with the words of others. That, with maybe without bad intention, they want to put you in a place that doesn't belong to you. The glory, the glory always belongs to God. Us, we're we're nothing, we are weak, we're vulnerable when the Holy Spirit doesn't work in us. Verse 13 says, Look what Saul says, but Saul said, Well, Saul conquered this new battle. Not not a man shall be put to death this day. The Saul's answer is simply, is impressive. It was his opportunity to seek revenge of those evil speakers. But not a man shall be put to death. This victory was much greater because it ended with the pride of Saul, which is very dangerous. This battle... This internal battle that Saul was going through, he will have it for the rest of his kingdom. If Saul would have killed them, it would have shown that he was insecure and not confidence in God. If he would have killed him, it would have this showed that he became a tyrant and not obedient to God that looked for unity. If he would have killed them, it would have shown. That his pride was great and it wasn't compassionate as God had compassion on him. This is the most important battle that Saul had in this chapter. But unfortunately, it wouldn't be the first time that Saul was going to have this battle. He was going to be consistently confronting his pride. Saul won this one. But the question is, will he win the next one? Remember that the, the most important trials and battles you will have is not with your brother. Don't, don't get it, but with you. If we recognize that we are weak and that we depend on God, then we're going to understand the importance of destroying our pride and to promote unity. Just as Saul did in this chapter, but also remember that this battle is a continual battle and consistent. Look what verse 13 says. Why will nobody die in Israel? For today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Who? The Lord. The Lord. Saul recognizes that the victory came because God was with them. God is a hero of the battle, not him. He is focusing them. Saul is understanding that with God, his kingdom, his reign was going to be successful because God was going to fulfill what he previously promised. He would be with Saul Saul, as long as Saul would honor and obey him. If Saul would have had these men killed, he would have stained this great victory. This wasn't about Saul, but about the glory of God. He was just an instrument to bless the people of Israel in the hands of God. God showed Saul that if he did not let go of of God's hand, he could defeat any enemy, no matter how terrible they were. The hero of of the story is not Saul, but it was a God Almighty. Saul, without the direction of the Holy Spirit, is nobody. We already studied it. Saul needs to recognize that dependence in his life. He needs to be careful and no, and never forget that he is weak. Paul understood this great necessity for this reason. He expresses it with these words in Second Corinthians 12.10. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses. What? Being weak and recognizing this weakness, Paul says that is a blessing for the believer. Insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, it doesn't matter what the trial. Being weak for the believer, Paul is saying is a blessing why look what he says at the end of the verse for when i am weak then and only then i am strong because we depend on the lord because he is almighty and he works through the holy spirit that lives in us and then we are strong If Saul wants to go from victory to victory, he needs to always look as an objective, the glory of God, not military success. The end of the chapter is glorious. Look what verse 14 says. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingdom. So all the people went to Gilgal, and look at the words. All the people that needed to include those whose lives were spared. And all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they sacrificed peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. For the first time, we see Saul in the chapter and cause the people to have a coronation ceremony this chapter that began with a great pain ends with a great celebration and it ends why like this why because they recognize that they are weak they experienced the power of the holy spirit and they gave the glory to god we we expect that saul would continue in this path After this magnificent manifestation of the power of God, don't you think? And I end with this. Saul mentioned some very important words. The most important ones that he has mentioned in 1 Samuel. Today, the Lord has accomplished salvation. What he experienced was just supernatural. This wasn't his personality it was just a few days ago he was hiding because he did not want to be king. He needed to continue moving this dependence on God and cultivating this. We read in 1 Samuel twelve fourteen this. Samuel tells Saul and all the people, If you will fear the Lord and serve Him and obey His voice, and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord. And if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Will Saul stay in this path? Please go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13 because maybe maybe this would be your story. 1 Samuel 13 verse 13. And Samuel and Samuel said to Saul Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then, for then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. What happened? What happened? Saul became very confident and forgot to depend on God. He forgot that he was weak. He forgot that the power came from God. My brother, this could be your story. Because of victory against sin, if today does not guarantee you a victory tomorrow. Do not trust in yourself. Many should be here tonight. And they're not here. Why? Because some maybe were like I saw, they forgot that they were weak and that they need to always be depending on God that this may not be your story. Preach to yourself consistently that I am weak. I need to depend on the power of God. And that's why the glory is for God. Don't trust in yourself. Preach it to yourself today. Today the Lord has accomplished salvation. I need it. I need it for my next battle. But if you don't have a relationship, personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ and all this vocabulary and all this message, is strange for you. The greatest battle you have right now is against God Himself because of your sin. If you recognize your weakness, your inability to save yourself, call out to the Lord. Ask Him to save you. Call out, repented for your sin. Jesus died in the cross of Calvary to save sinners like you and me. Repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ and so that you can say confidently today, today the Lord has accomplished salvation and an eternal salvation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, What a passage, what a great warning even to for your servant here that we may be today uh, rejoicing because there is a victory over sin does not mean that tomorrow we will also have that victory. Lord, that we may never forget that we may never forget that we are weak, that we depend on you and that you are the one that needs to take the glory. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your Son, Jesus, that makes possible that the person of the Holy Spirit dwell in us. Thank you, Lord, because you have equipped us with everything that is necessary to defeat sin, to fulfill your purposes, to fulfill this mission that you had placed in our hands, that is, to go and reach the lost. We give the honor and the glory, and we ask that you please help us in the next battle, because as we learn in this chapter there will be another battle when we least expect it. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please stand. And as we learned this evening, it's not us, but Christ in us.
1: ¿De dónde gracia es Jesús mi Cristo? ¿Qué más podría recibir?